To everyone joining us online, welcome. We hope this time helps you grow in faith. If you're a follower of Jesus, we want to equip you. If you're not, we want God to draw you close and bring you over the line from spectator to participant. Last week, I heard enough positive feedback about the lessons I shared that I decided to add three more this week to pass along from my own experience what God has been teaching me. But this week, instead of simply sharing lessons, I'm going to sharpen my thoughts into challenges. I know this time is already challenging enough, but I want us all to grow in faith wherever we are with God. And the truth about faith's challenges is that they're burdens which are light, and now is the time to grow. And even though growth is difficult, God always promises to give us the strength needed, so we'll all be able to work together. The first challenge for us this morning is to look forward, not back. Early last Sunday, before the services started, I was out for a run. Again, I was asking people how I could pray for them. And I met a woman named Sharon who asked me to pray that things would go back to how they used to be. She wasn't the first person to make this request. As I ran on and began to pray, I wondered what Sharon was missing and wanted to go back to. Maybe she had started a promising new relationship that ended because of the lockdown. Maybe she'd invested years of hard work to launch a business which all came to an end in a matter of weeks. Maybe she was lonely at home and in need of connection. I bet most of you are missing how it used to be. Now, I prayed that whatever it was, God would restore the good which she had lost. And as soon as I said, amen, I found myself thinking of the things I wanted to go back to. Having lunch at my favorite pizza restaurant with a friend from church. Going to Dan's house in the evening to play pool with the guys. Stepping down from the platform at the opera house after preaching to a group of living people and seeing your faces and speaking after in the crowded cafe. I want to go back to that and so many other good things. As I ran on, I wasn't praying for Sharon anymore. I was praying for myself. That things would go back to how they had been for me. But that's when it occurred to me that I was on the verge of making a serious mistake. There's a way of looking back that makes it impossible to see what God is doing in the present, which can prevent a person from seeing the future that God is calling him to. There's nothing wrong with missing the good things we've lost, wanting the restrictions we face to be lifted, but there's a definite danger in longing too much for the past, which is gone. When looking back keeps your heart from engaging in the present, You can miss what God is doing right now because now is where God is active. And even more dangerous, looking back will always keep your eyes from seeing the path that stretches out before you in the future. And God is calling us to a new future. Right now, he's wanting each and every one of us to see the new thing he's ready to do in the present and in the days ahead. A faith in the living Lord Jesus Christ accepts what is and then asks God for eyes to see what can be. Listen to the strategy of genuine faith. This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 3, 13 and 14. The Apostle Paul wrote this as a way of challenging the Christians at Philippi, who had plenty of unwanted difficulties in the present and loss behind them, Paul did too, so they all knew the temptation of wanting to go back to easier times. But faith in the living God looks forward and seeks always the next steps ahead, wanting to move to the new future more than returning to the old past. Look again at this phrase, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call is the path that one follows when her values and priorities and aims are shaped first by her relationship with God in Christ. Think about your own priorities for a moment. Think about where they come from. Most days, it's the great river of obligations and busyness we find ourselves swept up in that shapes our goals. The atmosphere at the office building, the ambitions of our peers, the great crowd at school that pushes us along in the same direction as everyone else is walking in. Ask yourself this question. Do I really want to have all of that back right now? With everything halted, this is a time of real opportunity. A time to decide some of the things back there, I'm going to leave them for good. Now I'll turn my eyes in this new direction, forward, and let things that are new come into being. Now God's priorities are going to shape my aims. If you've never stopped your forward progress in life and changed directions because of an encounter with Jesus, do that now. Let this great disruption of 2020 be your turnaround. Let it be your season to repent. That means admit you've been going in the wrong direction and turn around. God is ready for you to get on a new path with him. He loves that. Start walking now with Jesus. Now is the time for you to begin living for the one who died and was raised for you. The first challenge this morning is to look forward and not back. Now, all this was fresh in my mind when I came into my kitchen Sunday morning, put on my oatmeal, and sat down at the table to join the live stream for our first service. I opened my laptop, and the first name I recognized in the comments, it's like I'm instantly back in the opera house, sitting in my seat up front and on the left and singing way too loud when all at once the sound on my laptop cuts out. It's awkward, and I groan. And I think to myself, it's okay. When we finally meet again all together, then we'll be able to be the church again. Then came the announcement from Jared with the images of the new building. Oh, once we get into our new space, I thought... Then we can move forward again as the church God wants us to be. Just have to hang in there until then. The service ended, and I didn't want to, but I felt flat, tired of waiting for this time to end. My phone buzzed in the middle of the second service. It was a text from a friend who sits a few rows back from me on Sunday morning. Listen to what he wrote to me. Good morning. Good service today. If you know a family I can help with food or a little money, let me know. 
Maybe an older couple or someone with kids. I want to help someone directly. Thanks. I did a little research, got some contact information, passed it back along to him that evening. Next day, I got this text from the person I had connected him with. Just thought I would share that someone from church I've never met just Venmoed us money and said, We are family at Ren Church and family in Jesus. Praying for you. So blessed. I wrote my friend back telling him he was a good man. His response to me, My calling from God is to help others when I can. That's what he keeps telling me. I felt really thankful to be a part of a church like Renaissance Church. And I also felt inspired by my friend's initiative to not go on waiting. The second challenge for all of us this morning, be the church without the building. We will always be inclined to make the mistake of confusing the church with the building and being the church with being all together, a mistake that's always bad, but especially now since we can't gather. The church is God's people living in faith wherever they are, following God's call in simple acts of kindness, generosity, and goodness right now. It's not the religious rites and rituals carried out on a Sunday when you're all together in a church building. God's people have always struggled with this mistake. In ancient Israel, it was the religious rites at the temple which they mistakenly treated as primary. Their festivals and ceremonies, sacrifices and fasts, God's people behaved as if this was what mattered most to God, and they were wrong. And God told them so. Listen to the question God asks of his people. This is in Isaiah 58. Is not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice and to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free? And break every yoke? Fighting injustice matters more to God than your religious observance of fasts. Breaking the systems that oppress people is God's priority more than what you do when you gather on Sunday. Bring freedom to those who are bound and you are being God's people, whether you're in the temple or not. In verse 7, he gets even more specific. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Take care of your extended family. Don't turn a blind eye to their needs. If there's someone who lacks shelter and you have the capacity, take them in. If they need a coat and you have two, give them one. If someone lacks food, Share your bread. This is how you will be the church that God wants. And you don't need a building to be the church. Here's my challenge to you right where you are, wherever you are this morning. In whatever way God has enabled you, work for justice, fight oppression, care for the needs of others, share what you have. Be the church without the building. That's our second challenge. And now, one more for today. I've saved this one for last because it's the most pointed. For one month now, I've been taking prayer requests from strangers almost 
every single person has asked for protection from the virus. Because deep down, everybody is afraid of the same thing. Death. Either for themselves or someone they love. We are afraid because death is terrible. 50,000 people in less than two months in the United States. Imagine all of the family members and friends left behind to carry that grief. Many of you are grieving this morning because of the loss of mothers and fathers, friends and siblings. Every death is a terrible loss. There's nothing like it. Of course, we fear it. Two weeks back, I received a question from a friend that I've not been able to stop thinking about. He asked if I thought there was anything to fear more than death. His question brought me back to my freshman year of college. I was minoring in philosophy. My professor, Bruce Wilshire, specialized in the 19th century romantics. He introduced us to Henry David Thoreau. Tired of the distractions and busyness of everyday life, wanting to reconnect with what was essential, Thoreau decided to leave the city behind, headed off into the woods, and built a small cabin beside Walden Pond, where he stayed alone for a year. And then he wrote about it. This week, I found my textbook from Professor Wilshire's class, 30 years ago. Uh, Listen to what Thoreau wrote. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live what was not life, Living is so dear. The demands of our daily routines in ordinary times can easily pile up so high that they obscure real life. So we're distracted from ourselves, caught up in our routines, months and years pass, and we haven't paused to experience joy or feel the exhilaration of simply being alive, the wonder of the world, the complexity of creation, the pleasure of simple things like the smell of the street in spring when it first rains, or the sound of the blue jay in April. It's so easy to miss it all. Listen, regardless of faith, everyone knows that it's possible to live without really living. But those who are Christians have a faith which identifies a dividing line between life which is true life and life which is not. And that line is a person, Jesus the Messiah. My friend who asked me the question about fear and death sent me these thoughts. Death is not the thing to be feared most in this life. Death is not the worst thing that can happen to you. The worst thing that can happen to a person is to live a life without being aware of the love of God and the meaning in life that comes from knowing His love.
Here's the third challenge for us this morning. Fear not living more than dying. Apart from Jesus and the love of God that he embodies, though a person lives, he does not live truly. But then with Jesus, no matter what else is true, a person lives. If he's bound, with Christ he's free. If he's grief-stricken, with Christ he rejoices. If he's pressed down and broken, with Christ he's lifted up and whole. Listen, even if he dies, with Christ he lives forever. Think of that for a moment. Jesus made that promise. Jesus Christ is life. He is the love of God in person, giving himself freely. All who come to him with open hands and empty hearts receive from him the love of God, which is true life. Listen to the way it's put by the Apostle John in 1 John 5, 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you have Jesus, even though death is awful, you do not need to fear it. If you've never come to life in Jesus, today is the day to do that. Accept that he has given himself to and for you. Receive him by giving yourself to him. And then you are invited as all who belong to Jesus are to forever set down the fear of death and get busy living the life which is true life in him. Whoever you are, this morning accept all three challenges. Look forward, not back. Be the church without the building and fear not living more than dying. Before we sing together, let's pray. God, for this time to spend together, again, listening to the challenge that comes from you when our hearts and our ears are open, I give you thanks. For my friends and for the people in this church who help me understand you better, I give you great praise. I thank you for the many people who right now are willing and able to let go of what's behind and look forward. I thank you for those who even now are being the church without the building and for the way their simple acts of generosity inspire and move me and us all together. And I thank you for my friend who reminded me that there's nothing to be afraid of more than life without your love. God, would you open every heart that has tuned in this morning to be open to your love so that each and every one of us may know the depth of love that you have for us because you love this whole world. And may that awareness chase away every fear so that without any hesitation, we can serve you in confidence. Pray for this in the name of Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen.